Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Mellon. This week's guest is Samantha Rucker, a Philadelphia-based marathoner and full-time nurse who's running the 2022 Boston Marathon in Scrubs to raise money and awareness for mental health supports for frontline healthcare workers. Sam herself is a full-time nurse in school to become a nurse practitioner, and she's also a phenomenally accomplished marathoner who's run 229 and represented Team USA at the 2019 Pan American Games, where she finished fifth overall. We talked about Sam's journey from running track at Providence College to taking up the marathon relatively quickly and qualifying for the 2020 Olympic trials, her experience both running and crewing the famed Speed Project relay race, and of course her side gig as a running model for Tracksmith photo shoots. The funds that Sam will raise will go towards the American Nurses Foundation's well-being initiative programs that support the mental health and wellness of registered nurses in the U.S. You can learn more in the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for even more coverage of the Boston Marathon all week and weekend from the Sidious Mag family. We've got great programming coming up and we can't wait to share it with you all. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly, and I'm here with Sam Rucker. How's it going? Going well. It's really busy, but it's going really well. So you're uh, running Boston next week. When are you getting to town? Um, I'm getting in a Thursday midday, so I'll be there for a while. I can't wait to actually just get there and have that be the only thing I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> are you working right up until uh, you, you come here? Yeah, um, I work Thursdays normally, so I think I'm working Thursday morning, and then I'm gonna take off Thursday afternoon and get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that is the working pro life, if I've ever heard it. Um, and obviously, so uh, for for the listeners, um, you are running the Boston Marathon in scrubs um, because you are a nurse and, and raising money for, uh, a, a great organization that provides, uh, well-being and, and mental health supports to, to working nurses. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yep. So, um, running in a full nurse's uniform, scrub top, scrub bottom, um, running shoes, but luckily those are often part of a nurse's uniform. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, raising money, hoping to raise, money and awareness um, for the mental health and well-being of healthcare workers um, in the United States. So are you in the elite field? I am not. Um, I, um, my time qualified me for the elite field, but I um, actually requested to be in wave one. Um, I didn't, the elite runner side of me really did not feel right um, going into the elite fields wearing scrubs. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's one of the I think one of the most interesting things about this whole situation is that um, you are obviously a a very accomplished marathoner who could potentially be competing for uh, for top American honors in Boston under sort of normal circumstances. So, give us a rundown of where you're at, like training wise. What do you have a time goal other than the the you know the sub three, which I I would imagine is probably. Uh, 
you know, uh, hopefully a very uh, achievable goal. But uh, where are you at running wise going into this endeavor? Yeah, so um, I'm relatively unfit. <laughs> um, uh, having said that, I still, you know, have been putting in a decent amount of miles trying to run like 90 ish to 100 a week, um, which is a little less than what I normally run. Um, the main part being I haven't really done many workouts. Um, I am um, less than a year out from finishing a nurse practitioner degree and still working as a nurse. So um, pretty strapped for time and energy. Um, and I've kind of put running at the top of my priorities um, a lot the last couple of years. And uh, these couple months, uh, school needs to be my priority. So running has kind of taken the backseat a little bit, but um, still still get in when I can. <laughs> so the last time I saw you, I think you had just run Philly, um, oh, yeah. coming off uh, a, a little bit of an injury, pacing one of your friends, I believe. Um, but you're healthy now. Everything's healthy. You're, you're just, uh, just not working out that much. Um, a healthy asterisk <laughs> <laughs> to run. I, um, I've had like some kind of like nerve issues in my back the last couple years that, um, I can't really figure out and they've kind of flared up a little bit. Um, so trying to just like keep running more low key, um, than normal. And I have a really hard time taking time off. So I guess I'm just trying to lower the intensity a little bit and not absolutely kill myself. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so you're obviously, uh, I, I think, probably one of the more um, unusual pre-marathon uh, training regimens involves uh, crewing speed project. Um, yeah, that was not. Um, that was not. I'm not planned well. <laughs> so do do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, and Jason's effort and and I think most importantly how much of that you ran with him because I a little birdie told me you did a lot of the running with him. Yeah. So. Um, I always, so my partner, Jason ran or attempted to run the speed project, which is a relay 340 miles from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. We did it as a six person team a couple of years ago. And he, I guess, wanted to try the solo endeavor, which personally I think is absolutely nuts, but teach their own. And um, yeah, so he went out there um, and I kind of half-heartedly agreed to be a crew member ever since he came up with the idea because I knew I was going to be, um, I didn't plan on doing Boston, but I knew that this was a really, everyone's been telling me this is like the worst semester. So I knew I was going to be in like the thick of it. Um, and of course, like it was like the week after spring break. So it was just like, I was missing so much stuff. Um, but I guess that's what you do for love. <laughs> <laughs> To the desert and crew an ultra marathon so I was his team captain and we uh we tried we tried to make it all the way to Las Vegas unfortunately he only ran about 160 miles he kind of had like an acute knee injury that popped up but um personally I enjoyed running more than being in the RV and doing the logistics side of it so um there's some like pretty dodgy parts on that route and I was like hey I think you need somebody with you so um I think I ran uh I don't know I mean it was like a run walk combination but probably somewhere around like the first day I, I remember looking at Strava and seeing I ran just over a marathon so I was like oh that's cool <laughs> um, obviously broken up um and then I think I ended up running like 40 to 45 miles total over the like two days 
still a lot. <laughs> I'm considering that a, a good training effort. <laughs> uh, how, uh, what is your stress level like? Cause I know for me, I get more stressed crewing Zach for ultras than I like ever do for my yeah, own races. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, it's like, yeah, I, I had never been like a crew member like that before. Like Jason did one ultra a couple years ago, like on his birthday, he runs his age on his birthday. And I uh, signed him for a 50 K when he was like turning 31, just to have an excuse, a better excuse to run 31 miles, I guess. Um, <laughs> And that wasn't, I mean, that was like just slightly longer than a marathon. So I didn't really feel like I had to do much there, but, um, it was interesting having like a group of people that I was like in charge of telling what to do because I didn't really know what I was doing either. Um, and yeah, anxiety is high. Cause if like somebody misses like the fuel stop or whatever, I don't know. I, you feel like you have to be in control of everyone and make sure everything's going as perfect as possible for the person running because they're not thinking about it. So, yeah, the the people don't understand that the crew captains are <laughs> have a harder harder job than the runners. <laughs> yeah, and, and so staying on Speed Project for a second, you uh, ran Speed Project yourself uh, in 2019, 2019, right? Yeah. Uh, 2018, I think. So what was that experience like? I think, you know, people don't always have a, a true, you know, you can understand ultras because it's like, oh, it's a marathon, but it's longer. But the the road relay is a very unique beast. Yeah. I mean, that like opened my eyes to the ultra world. I don't know if I want to, I might close them. Um, but <laughs> it was really cool. Um, that was neat because I mean I think we ran just under 36 hours or something like that so it really wasn't like that long of a like Jason's um attempt was going to take much longer so um, <laughs> it seemed like quick after what we just did with him but um no it was so neat I had never done anything like that and um it made me really miss like it brought me back to like high school relay days um you know when you're so dependent on your teammates for things and you bond like really closely with people over a really short period of time. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was a really fun, different experience and mixed up the training for a bit. What was the, like the moment where you feel like you were truly losing your mind during yeah. that race? Because that, I think that's what gets you is the 36 hours without real sleep. Yeah. Um, the speed project finishes like down this like big hill I feel like it's like the last like 30 miles or so into Vegas. Um, and I just remember none of us, like we couldn't even run for like a minute at a time. And so we were trading off between like five people, like every minute. And I was just like, Oh my God, how many minutes are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, we have a long way to go, <laughs> but yeah, that was, you just, I don't know, you blink and it's over, but also it feels like an eternity during that blinking. <laughs> uh, how, so how, I guess, in terms of like going from the marathon world to, or I, I don't even like call Speed Project Ultra because it's its own weird thing. Um, and then looking forward um, to, 
you know, what you're doing now and trying to balance school and running and everything, where does running fit in terms of your, I guess, your, maybe you don't have an answer for this, but your plan, I hate that word, but like, <laughs> what what's the running plan moving forward? Um, so I don't really have one. I, I've never really had one. Um, it's running for me is, I mean, I've been running since I was in seventh grade and competitive running has come and gone over that period of time. I've had periods where I've been um, like really competitive in the sport and other times where it's just served as like a daily mental release from everything else. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I kind of take it. Um, I try not to get caught up in thinking about um, like qualifying for the trials, for instance, or something like that, because uh, who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen in two years from now. Um, but I do have like goals like that. And, um, I would like to like run competitively at the majors. Um, those are kind of like my, like pie in the sky running goals that I've always had, but, um, trying not to get ca too caught up in the future because running's unpredictable and we have ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. And as somebody who got into marathoning, I guess, like pretty, quickly after college all things considered um well how did that happen in your life uh at that time um so I um signed up for my first marathon um at the Boston Marathon in 2014 I went to watch um and it was like a beautiful perfect sunny day um it was just like such good vibes it was the year after the obviously the tragic 2013 marathon um so it was just like an amazing community I was living in Providence at the time um after graduating from PC so um felt like very close to home and um just had like literally the best day ever and was at a bar with my friends that night and was like I need to qualify for Boston next year and signed up for the Lehigh Valley Marathon which is like the last possible weekend that you can qualify so I was like six months later and um, I just like finished my collegiate running career, which was like mediocre um, and definitely like kind of needed a mental break. So this kind of served some like a goal, but just like a goal I thought was attainable. I thought I could qualify for Boston um, and literally just went into that marathon with that purpose, like really didn't do much training for it. <laughs> and um, I was so naive, like I was living in DC. I had just moved to DC. I like drove myself up the night before, like then obviously had to drive myself back like the day up like I, <laughs> I was not thinking um and obviously just didn't know um but no I ended up um winning that marathon so that definitely I caught the bug there um what did you run not that fast like 302 or something like that um but I had I I think Boston qualifying was like 335 I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I went at like 740 pace just like chugging along um my parents were there I like I was like maybe halfway with like a goo and a piece of gum because I thought like gum would like make the goo taste better I don't know, I don't know what I um and then I realized I was or my mom told me I was in like third um with like four or five miles to go and so I just kind of like picked it up <laughs> but uh yeah and then I still I just ran Boston in 2015 and 2016 um for fun and I was in grad school um 
my first grad school experience because <laughs> who doesn't need a second master's degree? Um, but uh, yeah, and then I decided to, um, when I moved to Philly, actually, I um, didn't really have any friends here. I didn't know anybody here. I moved here for nursing school, so I only had like nursing school friends. And um, one thing that's amazing about running is there are runners are everywhere. So I reached out to the local running community here and um, that's kind of how I got back into competitive running. It wasn't until like 2016, 2017. Um, and it was just fun being with a group of people that had like different goals. Everybody had professional lives and we would just meet on the track after work for fun. And um, yeah, I like found a new love for the sport again. And I think the marathon helped with that because it was totally new and and different and you're not comparing your like track times to like your high school or college times um there was just like no comparison so when was the i guess maybe i'm being presumptuous assuming there was a switch but i guess when i kind of look at your marathoning progression from like the outsider's perspective there it, it seems to me like there's like a real moment where you go from being like oh i'm like I'm a good marathoner kind of on the trials level to like really mixing it up with, you know, the best American marathoners, like when and how did that kind of change for you? Yeah. I, um, it was just as much of a shock to me. As <laughs> um, I ran 245 at New York in 2016. Um, that was like right after I started running again in Philly, um, like a couple months after. And that was a really, really cool day. Um, and it, I was obviously over the trials time, but close. And, um, I was outside of the window anyway. So it was, um, that was kind of my like, Oh, okay. I should like try to go for the trials. Um, and I was just kind of doing my own thing. So I reached back out to Ray Tracy, my college coach, um, and asked if he would help kind of guide my training. Um, and so I ran the Hartford marathon the following year in 2017. Um, under his guidance for about a year. And I made, um, so I ran 238 there. So that was like a seven minute jump. That was huge. And my first trials qualifier, really cool. Um, and then I was at that point close to the A standard. So then I was like, okay, so we'll try to like get under that 237 time um, the next year. And that's why I decided to go to CIM because that's what everybody does when and run fast. That's what all the cool kids do. <laughs> um, and I mean, I did not think that I was gonna run 2.30 that day. I thought maybe on like a really good day, I could run like 2.35, but I didn't even feel that great. I wasn't really sure. Um, I didn't have like a crazy plan. I just wanted to race. It was, it was kind of one of those moments um, where I already had the trials time and that was like all I wanted at the time. So I was able to just like race for the first time in a really long time and not really have a plan. And I didn't really care if I blew up. So I really just like went for it. Um, and I mean, that is one of those days that you just dream about as a runner, like when everything falls into place and things are clicking and you don't feel bad until you finish. And I mean, I draw on, I've drawn on that moment since it happened, like when I want to shut off my alarm. So that's like really one of those days that um, is super rare. And sometimes people don't even get to experience at all. Yeah, and so I guess recovering that that you know like love for the the real elite side of the sport. Um, how do you kind of view yourself in the 
in the you know growing pantheon of you know American women's marathoning is so good right now. Um, where do you kind of uh, not like literally where do you rank yourself, but like I guess when when you're signing up for you know a, a, a starting a race and you know peak fitness, like how do you kind of assess? You know you've represented Team USA, you've you've run the the world Olympic standard. Um, how do you kind of set your own kind of place in in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, um, I I think I come in with a somewhat unique perspective because you know, a lot of those women are there for their jobs, which is awesome. And I've chosen to not have that be my life, um, which is what it is. And, um, it, you know, but that doesn't really matter when you're on the starting line we're all just racing to run the fastest. Um, <laughs> so for me personally, I, I just want to get the most I possibly can out of myself. Like I, I want to see how fast I can go. Um, I don't think that working 10 hour nursing shifts, like helps that by any means. Mm -hmm. but, um, and I've definitely had moments where I'm like, I would love to just like take three months at altitude and see what I could do. Um, but I also really like my career and I, I like that, um, side of my life and, um, yeah. So I, I don't know if I necessarily even like be myself in a certain place in like the amazing um american u.s distance world other than just like as an, as a competitor try to get the most out of myself when i step on the line do you have a, at least a little bit of like extra chip on your shoulder of like well i was working the 10 hour working nursing I really try not to, um because i chose to do that um and um but no it's it is like it is cool um it's cool to like go back to my job and have like my coworkers be really proud of like my double life that I live. And um, I'm like, I'm really proud of how um, I was able to run my best like right after starting a full-time nursing job. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely cool, but it's, um, I try not to let it affect my mindset out there. Do you, as, as somebody who also works totally not in the running world, I, I, I know this feeling, but do, do your coworkers have any sense of how like actually good you are? <laughs> I didn't until Pan Am's um, because I think that was on ESPN or something. And so they all were like, like I had so many texts like being like, oh my God, like you're literally like competing for a win on you and ESPN. And they were, um, I think that's when they started taking me like actually seriously like before they were just like this girl is like tapped trying to like squeeze in lunch runs like I don't know <laughs> um so yeah they they understand now but they definitely I don't think they did at first um and then this kind of ties into the you know the kind of raison d'etre for the for the scrubs marathon but obviously you know 2020 hitting and being like really hard for everybody from a uh you know, the running perspective, like not having races, not necessarily being able to train the way you used to train, but obviously at the same time for you, the healthcare world is like going at, like not only are you having the struggle of like, oh, I like, you know, can't practice with my friends. It's like, you also have the work stress and intensity and all that. Like, how did you, I guess, what did that feel like? But then also kind of, how did you come out the other side of that? <laughs> Well, we're still probably in it, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, um, it was really, really challenging. Um, 
and I'm lucky like I, I don't want to paint a picture of what my job is um, in terms of like being like in a COVID ICU you know like um, working in that sense but um, so I was lucky to be in, in an outpatient clinic that um, was a little different than kind of what you see when you like picture like a healthcare worker in COVID kind of a thing but you know having said that it was um it's hard it's it's just so many um kind of new challenges and you have to just like learn to adapt um with so many different things and there's like you know there's like the direct effects of the pandemic and then there's like the things that you don't really think about um like what happens if the like environmental service people don't come and change the trash because so many of them are out um, with COVID, like just things that like, not necessarily would correlate um, directly with COVID. Um, or like, there was one day when um, like all of our checkout people were sick. And so like patients checking out from the clinic, you know, had to call to make their appointments, but then like, so the secretaries were overwhelmed and then the patients that were calling that they, because they were sick, couldn't get in touch with the secretaries to get in touch with us and we were overwhelmed because we're also making appointments like you know just like things like that was um like unexpected um effects and patients were frustrated rightfully so and are frustrated and you know they take out those frustrations on us um because who else are they going to take them out on and um that gets hard it, and just like learning how to deal with like people who want are like at a really you know, some, a lot of our patients are really sick. So a lot of times, like, it's not a good reason that they're in our clinic um, to begin with. So there's all of those stressors, plus the frustration of like not being able to schedule an MRI scan or something, or we consult you to another practice and the next appointment is eight months from now. Um, it, it was hard to like, kind of learn to navigate that. And then, um, you know, coming home and out of the profession and with friends who aren't in the healthcare world. Um, and obviously every kind of job right now has had their own frustrations and I'm sure other people can relate who aren't in healthcare, but it's hard to talk about it with somebody who doesn't really fully understand. And you don't want to like repeat your entire day. And, um, you also don't want to bring home like that negativity, but sometimes I couldn't help it. Um, so it was definitely challenging. Yeah, it's definitely, um, my mom is a is a neonatologist, and uh, one of the things she was saying is that like the, one of the hardest things, you know, taking care, you know, acute care settings in, in some sense are you know better prepared um, for kind of the some of the infection control um, practices. But one of the hardest things is just kind of the the patient patient interactions of like have families having to be separate and like, you know, the father can't be with the, the mother in the, the you know, uh, recovery room for a certain period of time. And just the, all of that, you know, yeah, like you were saying, the ancillary impacts of just like <laughs> how it reverberates out is, is really. Diagnoses to people who don't have a loved one with them in the room because they're not allowed in like things that like you know, you don't necessarily think about it. Or like you said, like you're waking up from surgery and you have to, they have to like call your husband in the car, you know, and it's hard. <laughs> well, we'll put like in, you know, the, the fundraising info for the, the cause you're running for in, in the description of the show notes, but do you want to explain like a little bit about the, the association and, and what they do? 
Yeah, I would love to. Um, so basically I um, got connect, I kind of came up with this idea and got connected with them because I have had um, a lot of friends that have struggled, um, you know, with PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, like as direct effects from working in, in like COVID settings um, and just like the trauma that they've had to deal with. And I had one friend in particular who worked um, as a provider in New York throughout all of it. She had only worked with like kids and was switched to inpatient adult ICU and just awful situation. Um, and she really immensely struggled. Um, and kind of earlier this year, I was helping her just try to find like resources to help um, like get her the help that she needed. Um, and, you know, she's like a well-connected, has a good job, like intelligent individual that like really like couldn't find what she needed um, in terms of like her mental health. And, um, a, you know, a big misunderstanding too is that like mental health care is covered by most insurances and it's not. Um, so she was like paying out of pocket for all of these services, like really trying her best to dig herself out of a hole. And so when I was like looking for resources to try to help her, I like couldn't find any. And that was so frustrating. Um, so it's like she literally put her life out there for so many people um and you know not just like the fear of getting covid but um she's struggling immensely and um so yeah i that's kind of how i came up with this wild idea um and i googled forever and sent a bunch of emails out to try to find a foundation that had like free therapy sources and um, counseling resources and, um, they have like well-being apps, um, for physical and mental health for healthcare workers. And so I, uh, this, the American Nurses Foundation, they, I reached out to them and they were, um, kind of immediately on board. So, um, my only kind of gripe with it is it's just for nurses. And I think all healthcare workers kind of, um, deserve the credit. So maybe one day I'll start my own foundation, but for now the American Nurses Foundation has been wonderful and they have uh, great resources. So all of the money that I'm raising is going directly to their um, well-being initiative, which is like specifically related to like um, mental health effects from COVID. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, you know, that's that's awesome. And, and I think, um, you know, just the, one of the things that we are really only kind of you know, growing our awareness of is just how persistent and challenging, um, you know, not just the mental health challenges themselves, but the barriers to care. Um, and and that it's not as simple as like, well, why can't you just you, you do this, you know? And, and I, I know, especially in, um, you know, in, in college too, you know, kind of tying it back to like the whole running piece of it, you know, my coach was really, really great with, you know, making sure people knew that, you know, if they were struggling there, you're in a high anxiety, high stress environment, um, you know, that you should talk to someone, reach out to resources. Um, but frankly, the school's resources were just, you know, not at all, even at like a, you know, big, well-funded university, like yeah. the the mental health resources for, for students or student athletes or whatever, it's just like, it's so bare minimum. Um, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't what a lot of people needed. Um, and one of the things I think, interestingly, kind of the nexus that the, the, uh, the connection my brain was making is, um, you know, talking about your relationship with running and how that's kind of ebbed and flowed over time. 
Um, and, and I know that that's something that a lot of people, you know, particularly coming out of college, I always kind of think about it being most acute of if you either, you know, had a maybe not great experience in college or you had a great experience, but then kind of doing the next step um, was, you know, very hard and you didn't land in a good place. Um, so I guess the question is, is, is sort of how do you approach the idea of building and maintaining a healthy relationship with running from kind of the, not just physically staying healthy, but the mental side? Yeah, um, I'm definitely still working on that. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Um, and especially, uh, as I kind of fell back into the more competitive side of it, um, it was hard to not, you know, put so much pressure on myself and just like realize that this is for me and I do have like a career and, um, I shouldn't be so stressed out about not hitting my times after a crazy Tuesday clinic or something like that. But, um, what I've like tried to appreciate, um, sounds stupid as I've gotten older um, <laughs> um what I've tried to appreciate is that you know running at least in my life has been a constant um I've gone through like really hard times related to or not related to running but um I always fall back on that and I always feel better after going for a run than before going for a run, even if it's like a miserable cold rainy day or something like that um and periods when I'm not able to run due to injury or whatever busyness or stress or other life things, um, definitely get irritable. Um, and I know, you know, that's kind of like the nature of all of us, but it just trying to appreciate like that constant in my life that many people don't have. Um, it is like, it is so nice to just be able to put on your shoes and go out for a run. Um, even if it's short and trying to like, take that pressure off of like, I don't have to go run 10 miles. Like I could just run five and I will feel fine <laughs> about myself <laughs> after. Um, but no, I think recently it's been more of like that um, conversation where it's like just being okay with running and like not forcing myself to go do a track workout just because it's what I think I should do. Um, and trying to like squeeze in XYZ mileage or xyz workout um because it's like where i should be during the marathon cycle or something um and just uh, appreciating running as like more of a release from the rest of my life at times everyone knows how much all of us in the Sidious mag family love track and field and how much we enjoy sharing that love with all of you well we've got a few big ideas in the works for the upcoming season None bigger than we've got planned for Eugene, Oregon this summer. Our Summer of Hayward begins with the Nike Prefontaine Classic on Memorial Day weekend, where the USATF 10,000 meter championships will be held. They'll continue through the USATF Outdoor Championships in late June, which set the rest of Team USA. And then of course, the main event, the World Athletics Championships, Oregon 22, coming up in mid-July, where we'll be the home team. We'll be there for every big moment, every uh, competition in Hayward Field, and we hope to create some memorable moments of our own in our pre- and post-meet coverage, interviews, analysis, and behind-the-scenes stories with some of track and field's most interesting athletes. Personally, I'm excited to be at the World Championships to see the women's mid-distance events. They're just on such a high level right now, and as a field and track fan, 
jumps are just so un unparalleled right now. We saw in Belgrade the the women's triple jump and the men's pole vault had new world records, and I have a feeling that those records aren't going to last very long. Summer of Hayward will be one to remember, so don't miss out. Be there if you can. Tickets for all events are on sale now, and you can find the information and all of the fan details you need at sidiousmag.com slash summer of Hayward. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. So uh, obviously you're, you know, have so much free time in your life and are really, you know, I would say lazy is a word that comes to mind, <laughs> but it, among the many things you do, uh, one of the things I, I did want to ask you about is uh, being a model. Um, as because the first time we met was in your you know in your capacity in the work you do at Tracksmith as a as a model for for some of their shoots and um, as crazy as it sounds, like Tracksmith actually is still kind of um, in the minority I guess in terms of using you know actual runners for their product shoots versus like professional models. Um, so what is that experience like for you? And how did you get connected to the the Tracksmith run modeling world? So I got connected because one of their other runner models failed like last minute on a photo shoot and somebody threw out my name. Um, and so I literally was like last minute called into a photo shoot. Um, and then I guess they liked me enough that they kept me around a little bit, but um, yeah, so those are fun um, because they really do like emulate like real training. So when you go um, and you know, you see these pictures they are really from like 10 mile runs. Like they're not from just like running up and down a street a couple of times. Um, and I've gotten to know the people at Tracksmith really well over the last couple of years. So um they're a little different now than maybe when I first started and was like pretty nervous now um I'm like not afraid to just like snot rocket on camera um, <laughs> um they really are just like capturing real training I think um Emily May the photographer would agree with me that um I'm actually probably quite difficult to photograph because I have terrible form and I think it's just an attestation to her being a really talented photographer versus me looking okay running. Um, she often just gets mad at me for shuffling around. So um, I don't, I don't know if model is an appropriate um, title for me, but. <laughs> well, what was, cause I think people really don't realize like these, so these training trips, you do these long workouts and then like often we'll have to double or even triple in a day. Like what was the hardest run or workout that you've had to do for a shoot? Sure. So easy. It comes right to mind. Um, <laughs> we did this like one fun, um, like summer training camp. Um, I think it was like for their fall line, um, in Concord mass, like a couple years ago. And, um, it was a really fun group of people. We like, stayed up pretty late and we're drinking some adult beverages um, one of the nights and I had to do like an 18 mile solo long run that was like they were making a video out of it so it wasn't even like photos I had to be like kind of on all the time and it was like quiet and they had like that big mic so none of them were talking like usually like we're like joking with the people in the van and it's like kind of like fun or you know, I'm like talking with somebody else on the shoe and like they're like fun like it's like running with your friends um but this was just me 
it was like <laughs> the fall line. So I was in like, it was July and I was wearing like a long sleeve wool shirt and like tights. <laughs> and I was sweating out the adult beverages from the night. <laughs> and I was training for Hartford. So I was like trying to take these long runs seriously and I did not really sleep. And um, that was so hard. <laughs> it was probably the hardest long run of my life. Where where was the run? Um, just around Concord. I could not tell you. I blacked it out. It was that <laughs> you ever saw. I'm like pointing at like mailboxes. Like I sound like a crazy person. I'm like, um, I think it's called like a million miles. But I'm basically like going through my thought processes of like how I get through a long run. And I'm like, oh, sometimes I like look for for sale signs or like look for. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what I was thinking about. I do do that, but like, I sounded nuts. And it was like kind of funny because like some of the hater comments were like, man, this girl like really doesn't seem like she likes to run. Like, why did she? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a hard day. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that, which is funny because, well, my dad grew up in Concord and my grandmother's still there. So I know Concord really well. So I, I'm like definitely going to watch the video now and see like what streets you were running on. Um, but yeah, because I remember I, I do, I did really like the, um, home for the holidays shoot you did like when you yeah, went that one was really cool yeah they came to my um my hometown um that was neat too because I had like known Emily a bit at that point so it like really felt like I was like showing a friend um like around where I grew up that was cool yeah and uh the uh, correct me if I'm wrong was was that how you met Jason was through the shoots? yep mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so you met your partner uh, at a tracksmith photo shoot so it's always going to have at least some special significance for that <laughs> exactly <laughs> when did you guys meet um we met um on the first he was on the first photo shoot um and then he was on a few ones subsequently after that um so we didn't start dating until a bit later, but um, yeah, he was on the first photo shoot that I was on. So fine. It's fate, clearly. <laughs> I know. I don't even, my first memory of him is like so classic. I still call him out of this. Um, he like fills his coffee, like all the way up to the top and then adds cream. And it like gives me <laughs> anxiety every time. Cause then, and then he'll like walk over to his computer, like obviously spilling it everywhere. Yeah. And he did that like, this is like the first time I met him. He was like in the process of doing that. And I thought he was like just distracted, like on the phone. <laughs> and then I literally every time, like the rest of the weekend, I was like, this person is so interesting. Like why? <laughs> I do the exact opposite of that because I drink really slowly. So it always gets cold if I don't have like half a cup of, like I'll, I'll just pour like several half cups of coffee. Yeah. Like. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, <laughs> He, he fills it right to the rim and then we're always like cleaning up drips of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. Um, and before, before we wrap up, now that you've been in Philly uh, a, a couple of years, what, what's your favorite spot to run in, in Philadelphia, in or around Philadelphia? Um, so I drive out to the Delaware Canal Trail um, on the weekends. It's like amazing. It's like cheating. It's like a packed dirt path, flat, it's amazing. It goes for like hundreds of miles. Um, but I obviously don't have time to do that during the week. So the Schuylkill River Loop is the bread and butter of pretty much all of my runs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, I see the Delaware Canal is like on the other side of Philly from where yeah. my parents live. So it's like a farther drive, but uh, like Wissahickon is always my, if I'm going to drive like 
20 minutes to somewhere, that's usually where I end up going. So yeah, yeah I'm lazy. So the like slight uphill of the Wissahickon for like the <laughs> eight miles kills me. And I'm just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good like, ha- like you can't really like hammer a long run on it, but for just easy miles. Yeah, like, coming back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, we wrap up every episode with uh, the same three questions of all our guests. Uh, the first one, I'm going to have to challenge you a little bit um, because you can't say Jason, but uh, the first one is your Instagram crush. Um, oh. It doesn't have to be a real crush. Like you can just be like, like Emily would be like a great example of like an Instagram crush. Like if you just like her, like her content. But um, what are you feeling on the internet these days? It can also be like TikTok or Twitter or something. Days. Um honestly like Blake Lively sure that's a good one yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love how Ryan Reynolds is just like so in love with her and I don't know I've I've seen a lot of videos of them recently for some reason they keep popping up and I'm like oh they're just so cute and have a perfect family (laughs) (laughs) and they're very funny too for people that are very attractive they're surprisingly funny so attractive so yeah (laughs) that's a good one all right the second is your go-to karaoke song what are you singing if it's your time to shine all right, so at Speed Project, um, I went to karaoke after when we got into Vegas. Um, so somebody asked at dinner, they were like, gun to your head, you have to say the lyrics to um, a song perfectly. And if you mess it up, you die. And I like, I everyone just like said random songs and they got it wrong within like the first two sentences. And I really thought about it. And I said, part of your world, Little Mermaid. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I have sung part of your world at karaoke at oh, track no. yeah. somebody was like oh, yeah, karaoke and now and I did so that's that's really funny um I haven't done karaoke in years and I literally just did it two weeks ago and I sang part of your world <laughs> that's that is a great choice yeah I uh, I can't remember how I ended up singing it but it's very it's like a very funny one to do as like a guy uh, when you like I really get into the emotions of it <laughs> <laughs> Great choice. All right. And last but not least, your death row meal. You get one more, one more meal before you go. What are you eating? Oh my gosh. Um, the like boring part of me wants to say a salad because I like eat a like salad with chicken every night. Um, but probably like a nice big piece of steak with French fries. Oh, great choice. That's that's kind of my go-to as well. Yeah. Like a nice how do you how do you take your steak? What's the you like medium well? but it has to be like a nice cut with like some good juices in there and then fries. Um, oh, great choice. I'm getting like kind of hungry. I'm going to dip them in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, uh, Zach and I recently have been big on if we make like French fries at home, uh, doing the like mix, just mayo and ketchup together. Oh, yes. <laughs> can't go wrong that way. You can't, you can't get the like, because the, the, they make it now. Like, yeah. They make like may catch or whatever they call it, but I think that's cheating. Like I think you have to manually do it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will see you next week before the race. I don't even have to say good luck, but to put it on the record, good luck in, in Boston next week. Um, I'm sure you're going to crush it. Um, there will it'll hopefully be a very uh, hard Guinness World Record to beat. <laughs> But uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun.
wish I could be part of that world.